What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, here for a Monday morning sports update that's actually being recorded on Monday afternoon, November 16th, 2020. It's around 3.20 p.m. This podcast is coming late because I had some computer difficulties yesterday, but we fixed it up and we're good to go now for a quick little update. Unfortunately, we had to postpone our plans for yesterday's recording of the podcast. I had a couple of guests that were going to join me. They will join me at another time, but I am going to give you a crash course on the weekend in sports. That means the Masters, college football, NFL, and even a little bit of college basketball news out from this morning. But before we dive into all of that, I want to thank our friends over at CBS All Access who are, as Chase Beebe said last week, putting food on the table for me and for this podcast. CBS All Access is my favorite streaming service. If you grew up as I did in the 90s, the 2000s, you grew up watching Nickelodeon, well... Nickelodeon classic shows have found a home on CBS All Access. I've been watching Ned's Declassified, School Survival Guide, Zoe 101, Wild Thornberry, SpongeBob, and they got a bunch of other ones such as iCarly, Fairly Odd Parents, Avatar The Last Airbender, Victorious, you name it. Lots of good stuff. Rugrats. CBS All Access has a lot of great reality TV. I watch The Challenge, Champs vs. Stars, Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, all those great shows. That means the real world. And again, look, CBS merged with Viacom, so that means all of the Viacom properties are coming over to CBS. MTV, CMT, Comedy Central, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, lots of great stuff over there. CBS All Access is the only place that you can watch the UEFA Champions League. Had a lot of fun podcasting about the Champions League a couple weeks back with Jonathan Clancy. My team that he helped me pick, I think, is doing pretty well. It's been fun uh, getting into a soccer for a little bit. So if you're interested in that episode, you can go back. But go to jackvita.com slash CBS. And every time that you sign up for a one-week free trial, you can get that through my link. Or you click on one of the ad banners on my site. Every time you sign up through those links, this podcast is funded. That's right. So we are very thankful for CBS All Access. Check it out. After you complete your one week long free trial, it will be $5.99 a month. And you are not going to want to miss out on that. In addition to CBS All Access, we are also powered by Fanatics and the MLB Shop. So if you are looking for some sports apparel... You want a new t-shirt, a hoodie, a jacket, ball cap, you name it, for this season. Again, we got a lot going on in football, and college basketball is about to start up. If you want to get your MLB champion Dodgers apparel, go to jackvita.com slash MLB shop. For the non-MLB apparel, go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. And once again, every time you buy something through those links, this podcast is supported financially. So thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you, the listeners. Once again, thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to all of you. All right, let's get into everything today. I'm going to lead off with the big event that happened this weekend at Augusta National Golf Course in Georgia. The Masters taking place 
in mid-November for the first time ever. And I have to say, while first of all, congratulations, Dustin Johnson wins his first Masters. And watching him react in the moment was really special. It was really cool to see how emotional he was. He showed raw emotion. He was choking up. And we love seeing that. So great job by him. He shot 20 under par. The guys really had their way at this course. We had 38 guys shoot under par. It was really, really Cameron Smith finished second, uh, tied with Sung J.M. But Cameron Smith shot an under 70 all four days. So these guys did an outstanding job at the Masters. But really, it wasn't all that close. Dustin won by five strokes. And I have to say, as much as I love golf, as much as I always enjoy the Masters, this year it just didn't really feel the same. Now, I'm glad that we had it and it was overall enjoyable. But I think that having it this late in the year, having it run against college football and NFL, and these are, we're getting to a crucial point in the football calendar. I mean, these games are really, really big games. This isn't like those September or October games. We're in mid-November. There's only seven weeks left on the NFL season. Our college football season has been short, and we're getting all these conference games. And honestly, we didn't really even have that many big college football games this week. But I, I just there's something about the Masters in April, the beginning of spring, Jim Nance, right after Easter, right before Easter, and you're seeing the seasons change, and it really feels like it it owns that weekend in April. And while I wanted the Masters to own this weekend in November, it felt like it had to share it. It felt like it had to share the spotlight. And I know that typically there's baseball going on, there's some basketball and hockey going on at that time of the year, but... Running it with football, let me just say, in my room, I have a great setup. I have a couch, and I got two screens. So I can watch two games at a time. It's perfect if you're a sports podcaster and blogger. I was running the Masters all weekend on one screen with football on the other screen, Saturday and Sunday. Football and golf, they're like, they're like tuna fish and chicken parm. They just don't, they just don't really mix together all that good. They just don't. It's like with football, it's such a fast-paced sport. And then golf is the complete opposite. Golf meshes well. You could watch baseball and golf at the same time. But watching football and golf, it was just an odd experience. And I don't know how it did from a rating standpoint. I have to think it underperformed compared to where it was last year. Tough competition. Having said that, I'm so glad we had a Masters and I enjoyed it for what it was. But I do think, and this is this is something I was surprised by, I actually missed having the fans there. I, I miss having a little golf clap here and there, and you could hear some of the cars on the interstate. It just didn't really feel the same. And this is the Super Bowl of golf. We're going to have another Masters in about 20 weeks from now, and hopefully we can have some fans there. Hopefully things are a little more chilled out by then, but... Hey, for what it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great sports weekend. And I also want to give a big shout out to the College Game Day crew on ESPN. That show, College Game Day, is one of the very best in sports. It's just a great show, week in and week out. And they went live from Augusta. 
and they are not able to have fans at these events. So having it at an empty golf course, there was something very cool about it. They had some nice feature stories connecting golfers with their colleges. There was a nice story on Justin Thomas and Nick Saban and the first time they met each other. They did an outstanding job. Jack Nicholas as the guest picker, and they also picked that made their master's picks. So I want to give a shout out to College Game Day. I want to give a shout out to the PGA Tour, and I'll give a shout out to college football in this too. CBS, ESPN, great job covering it. Except, well, I will say, I'm not big on the ESPN coverage on that Friday, the Thursday, Friday, where they it's. I'm searching everywhere. Where can I watch this? And it says Sports Center at the Masters. You put it on and they're showing the Masters, but in the middle of it, they cut in and out and they give you like NBA news and they just start talking about other sports news. And that's not how I prefer to watch golf. So I actually switched over to CBS All Access and they were running it the whole time with no interruptions and it was great. Michelle Wee was on there too, but that's besides the point. Hey, we had a Masters. It was enjoyable. Congrats to Dustin Johnson. We didn't really have anything super extremely memorable happen, aside from the fact that these were very different circumstances for the tournament. And Dustin Johnson won the Masters. He deserves all the credit in the world. This means the same as winning the Masters any other year. But it would have been nice if we had something coming down the wire, something really dramatic happening. We didn't really have that. It was... I mean, he won by five strokes. And it was also coming off last year's incredible story with Tiger. And I don't really know how you can top that. But once again, thankful that we had a Masters and excited to move on to next year. Hopefully 2021, we can have a little bit more of a normal Masters and uh, golf season for that matter. Before we get into talking about what we saw from the world of football this past weekend... We had some college basketball news this morning that I thought was fairly interesting. Jeff Goodman reporting that the NCAA is currently in discussion to hold the entire NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. Traditionally, they have several cities that are the host sites for the first round, the first weekend, and then you have another different city for the second weekend. This would be a bubble, essentially, for the 68 teams. Now, maybe they do away with the first four and Dayton leg of the tournament, but 60, 64 to 68 teams all in Indianapolis, I would think that they would set up multiple courts because if you only have one court, you're only going to be able to run a certain number of games each day. And part of the thing that happens by having all these different sites is that you can have multiple games going on at the same time. So I would think that they'd set up some type of bubble where you could play. There'd be multiple games going on at the same time. If not, and they only have one court, then we could be in an interesting situation where instead of having the first round going on over two days, Perhaps the first round takes four days to complete. And now this tournament could actually go on a little longer. Maybe you have the first four days, you start on that Thursday, and that whole first weekend is just the first round. And then as this tournament shrinks and the field gets smaller, it starts to resemble more of what it's looked like in the past. But that's a real possibility. I'm sure there's a lot of talks going on. 
But hey, I'm up for anything just as long as they give us an NCAA tournament. We're owed one from last year. I think that was awful that it got canceled. And I know the circumstances, everything, it was just really crummy. But I just I still just feel awful for schools like Dayton and San Diego State who had these monumental seasons for their program and didn't get a chance to compete. It was really bad. So really excited for college basketball, and I'm sure we will be talking plenty more college basketball pretty soon. It seems that the season's going to get going in about a week or two. But yeah, just keeping my fingers crossed and praying that we don't have any setbacks and we can just get as normal of a college basketball season as we can this season and just have it going on. And the Ivy League canceled last week. I'm really hoping that isn't foreshadowing what's going to happen to the rest of the sport. Ivy League shut down all their winter sports. They were the first ones to do that this past spring. And then the NCAA followed suit. I'm hoping that the Ivy League ends up being more like the Big Ten with football, where they say, oh, we're not going to play this year. And then all the other conferences say, no, you're crazy. We're, we're still going to play. And the Ivy League could maybe change their stance on that and make something happen. But probably I wouldn't get my hopes up if I'm an Ivy League guy because there's less at stake financially if those sports do not play. Not to say that they aren't important or anything, but there is a difference between the Ivy League and the Big Ten. In terms of the Big Ten football this past weekend, it wasn't a huge weekend in college football. We had a number of games that were canceled and postponed due to COVID-19 situations. And hopefully that doesn't set us back for next week. Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Georgia, Coastal Carolina, and Auburn. That's Those are six games from this past weekend. Of six ranked teams that were set to play this past weekend did not play. And I'm really hoping that this thing doesn't get worse and that we can just keep moving forward. Because prior to this, I mean, yeah, we have had a couple of teams such as Wisconsin that have had to take a couple weeks off. But for the most part, this thing's been going fairly well, I would say, for a college football season with the uh, current restrictions and complications. Things have gone fairly well, I would say. We didn't have too much going on. There weren't really any huge games, but I guess the one thing that we do have to talk about here, Michigan just got obliterated by Wisconsin, and I have to concede defeat on my Harbaugh argument. For the last two weeks, I've been defending Harbaugh. I've been saying, wait it out, wait it out. Now, I would not be surprised if they pull the trigger on him in the middle of the season. That's how out of hand this thing has gotten. And again, going back to a couple of weeks ago, I fully addressed and I said, this has the potential to get out of hand. They have some tough games here with Indiana and with Wisconsin, but it's not the fact that they've lost those games. It's how they've lost them. They lost by 38 points this week and 17 the week before that in games that they cannot lose. This is a game at home in the big house on Sunday or on Saturday night on primetime, and they just got destroyed. Unfortunately, I just don't think the Harbaugh thing is going to work. I don't think he's going to be around too much longer, and it's too bad because going back to when he started in 2015, it really felt like a perfect situation, a, a proven college and NFL head coach taking over 
his alma mater, trying to return to greatness. Made him interesting. He got him kind of to the next level, but they need to somehow now letting go of him. They're going to run the risk of you can potentially end up like a school like Tennessee, who was once a great school, but now is totally irrelevant. You don't want that to happen. But if you can bring in the next guy, their hope is that they can get someone in there so that they can get back on an equal playing field with Ohio State. It's really the biggest college football rivalry that we've had in the sport, unless you want to talk about like something very, very long going like Army Navy. But Michigan, just this is this is really tough for Michigan fans. I understand the frustration. Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. I think he pro- he's not going to be out of a job for too long if he wants to coach. I think he he could coach a team like the Chicago Bears next year. I think Chase is probably right. He probably does fit in the NFL a little better. One thing I've wondered with this Michigan team is they've never had an elite quarterback. And you look at what these schools that do go into the playoffs, what do they have? They all have that guy. Notre Dame has Ian Book. You got Trevor Lawrence over at Clemson. You got Justin Fields at Ohio State. Oklahoma is a school that has had multiple Heisman winners over the last few years. Michigan has had Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson is not bad, but you would like to have that elite quarterback at your program. And Michigan hasn't found it, which is a little odd. I don't know what has prevented them from finding that quarterback. And even just picking up a guy in the transfer portal, a guy like Peyton Ramsey just jumped over from Indiana to Northwestern, and Northwestern has returned to being a top 25 school. Michigan, it's it's tough, and this thing, it seems like the wheels are really coming off this thing, and things are getting really out of hand. It's just... I thought maybe they lose these games, but I didn't think they were going to be this bad. Losing by 38 points to Wisconsin, it's embarrassing. Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. Unfortunately, it just seems that this thing didn't work out. So I'm willing to concede defeat on my Michigan arguments and my Harbaugh arguments with in this situation, but I do think he's a good coach, and I do think if he chooses to remain in coaching immediately. Maybe he takes a little break, goes in the broadcast booth and comes back in a few years. But I think whenever he does get back into coaching, he's going to succeed. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, as I mentioned, now Wisconsin is looking very good. And we are, as I mentioned, we didn't have too many huge games this past week, but we're going to have some great ones next Saturday We're going to have two huge games that could determine the fate of the Big Ten Championship. Those are, (laughs) and the Wisconsin Badgers will be playing at Northwestern. This game was originally going to be at Wrigley Field. Now, again, you can't have any fans, but I would say that this is probably a good thing for Northwestern that that game got canceled at Wrigley and that they're playing at home. You're playing at a place you're more familiar with. Wrigley would probably feel a little more like a neutral site than playing at Ryan Field. So Northwestern is Wisconsin's favored by seven and a half going into this game, but Northwestern's four and zero. Wisconsin's only played two games, and they had their season interrupted with the COVID situation. They had some games postponed. 
game with Purdue and a game with uh, Maryland, I believe. But Wisconsin, they trounced a Michigan team that is seems to be dying right now. <laughs> that Michigan team is just, oh, gasping for air. And I, again, I'm so surprised that this thing turned so quickly because they stomped on Minnesota, and I thought they were going to, once again, be the typical Michigan team. But have many Michigan fans saying, no, that's not going to be the case, and they were right. Anywho, Northwestern, big problem for them last year. They could not score points. And they're scoring quite a bit right now. Peyton Ramsey has been excellent. This is going to be a really good game. It'll be on at 2.30. And that game could determine who wins the Big Ten West. Both these teams are undefeated. And I I mean, a couple other, there are a couple other schools that are interesting. But you have Northwestern sitting at 4-0, Wisconsin at 2-0, Purdue at 2-1, Iowa two and two. So it doesn't look like anyone, maybe Purdue gets in there, but in that Purdue Wisconsin game, we'll see if that game gets made up. I don't know if they've made a decision on that, but the big 10 West typically a little softer than the big 10 East. I think the winner of this game is probably going to be playing in the big 10 championship. Northwestern is up to 19 in the rankings. Wisconsin is now sitting at number 10. Big Ten is looking pretty solid right now in terms of the rankings. They have uh, a few ranked teams, but an even bigger game. If you want an even bigger game than that Northwestern-Wisconsin game, they'll be on at 2.30 Central time. Look no further than 11 a.m. Ohio State-Indiana. This one's going to be a very good one. Ohio State is playing at home, and they're actually favored by 20 and a half but, I mean, look at what this Indiana team has done. They're 4-0. and They won that game against Michigan a couple weeks ago. Now, maybe maybe our opinion on Michigan's changed. They beat Penn State week one. They just destroyed Michigan State, which isn't saying too much. This is a dang good Indiana Hoosiers team. I think it's going to be a close game. If I was a gambler, I might jump on those 20 and a half points. I think the... Buckeyes will win this game at home, but I think it'll be closer than people realize. It'll be within 10 points. Probably, I I would say, I think it'll be a one-score game. I think it'll go down to the wire. If Indiana wins this game, Indiana, (laughs) Indiana has a path to the college football playoff. And really, you could say that about those other two Big Ten teams that we mentioned on the other side, because... Indiana has the potential to freeze out Ohio State from the Big Ten championship game. How do you put Ohio State in? Now, we've had some weird shady stuff happen over the years with the selection committee, but I think Big Ten champ, especially if it's a team such as Indiana that could go undefeated, they need to be in the playoff. And so this could shape out like that 2015 season where we had Iowa and Michigan State playing in December for the Big Ten Championship and the winner of that game going to the playoffs. It was Michigan State. They did not fare well against Alabama that year. I believe it was Alabama that they played. But Indiana, Ohio State, it's going to be a really good one. It's on right after game day ends. That'll be a noon Eastern game. And I'm actually surprised that that game's going to be on so early because it is a big one. So some really big matchups coming up in the Big Ten. 
We also have Oklahoma State in Oklahoma, 14 versus 18. That'll be your nighttime game that you'll want to watch. Expect a lot of points, as you typically would in a Big 12 game. <laughs> Those games are typically shootouts. But, man, things are things are really heating up. Things are getting interesting here. We still have the same top four, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson. Those are your top four right now. And AM wasn't able to play this past week because of a, they had a weird situation with COVID. We won't get into that right now, but we had a really good game in the American on Saturday night. Tulsa knocking off SMU 28-24. USC with another come-from-behind victory on Saturday afternoon. Keaton Slovis, that team is looking good. Keep an eye on USC. I'm excited to see how they continue to play over the course of this Pac-12 season. It'd be cool to have a Pac-12 team getting back up to that elite territory that we could talk about as a potential playoff team. Kyle Trask continued his Heisman campaign as Florida whomped Arkansas 63-35. Kyle Trask threw for 356 yards, six touchdowns. He's in that Heisman race. You can put Trevor Lawrence in there. You could put Mac Jones in there, Najee Harris. And by the way, I must say, I made an error a couple weeks ago. I don't know why I called him Murray. I called Mac Jones Murray from, uh, <laughs> is there a Mac Murray somewhere? I, I don't know where I got confused with that. But Mac Jones with Alabama. Ian Book having a pretty good year. I mean, I don't I don't really think he's in that quite there, but he's a guy who gets some conversation. Trevor Lawrence, of course, Justin Fields. Things are heating up. College football has been so good this year, and I'm really excited for those big games next week. Moving over to NFL, Week 10. First slate of games, nothing too noteworthy, honestly. That was when I was more... I was more locked into the Masters at that point. I did have the Packers-Jags game going on. But second second half of the day, wow. And I mean, wow. How about Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, that shootout in the desert. Arizona Cardinals were down double digits in the second half. They now move to 6-3. and three. I have to... I think right now they're in pole position to win that NFC West. If I had to pick one team, they're looking the best to me. Kyler Murray is now making a push for that MVP race, but that throw and catch DeAndre Hopkins, unbelievable, unbelievable Hail Mary. Tough loss for the Bills, but they're 7-3. and three. Really fun watching those two young quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, two guys who are both picking up some uh, some momentum in the MVP race. Really, really great game out there. My MVP, however, and I'm not hearing it anywhere, but at some point we got to start talking about Ben Roethlisberger as the potential MVP. I haven't heard his name at all. Ben Roethlisberger, and I know, I, I know some of you are laughing at me. Some of you are calling me a homer. I understand all of that. Ben Roethlisberger Steelers last year. He goes down in week two. It's either week one or week two. I tried to block most of the last season out of my memory. Steelers win eight games total last year. They've won their first nine games this year. When you want to talk about most valuable player, and I know a lot of people want to point to impressive stats. 
I mean, and Roethlisberger is fifth in touchdowns. It's not like he's he doesn't have the stats. He's 20, 22 touchdowns, four picks. He's been really good, really good. But if you want to look at what's the story been up to this point, it's got to be the dominance and the excellence of the Pittsburgh Steelers. No other team's undefeated at this point. They're 9-0. and Last year, with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, this team was average at best, carried by a very good defense that kept them in a lot of games. Without that defense, they would not be where they ended up finishing at 500. And also, good job by Coach Tomlin this year. And keep in mind, also last year, what'd you hear? Oh, yeah, they need to replace Antonio Brown, and they need to replace Le'Veon Bell. This year, everyone's talking about, oh, well, Ben, he just has a lot of great weapons. He's a game manager. He's not a game manager. And here's the thing. you got to give credit where credit's due. The Steelers, over the years, whether it's Rashard Mendenhall, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Plaxico Burris, Heinz Ward, they let these guys go at the right time, and they replace them. But the reason, part of it is a testament to the coaching staff and scouting. They do a great job of drafting players. Some guys don't cut it, but a lot of them do. But you got to give credit to the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. And you got to give credit to guys like Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Those are guys who you give them any receiver and they're going to make it work. And they make those receivers turn into the playmakers and stars that they become. Wes Welker was a non-entity before he came to the Patriots. I mean, this is, this is where you got to give credit to Ben Roethlisberger. If you're going by most valuable player, this is a team last year that was mediocre now with Roethlisberger back, we saw exactly what they were without Roethlisberger. Now you have them back, and they are the best team in the AFC up to this point. And a lot of people's Super Bowl favorite. And I know a lot of people want the the pretty stats. Guy that a lot of people were talking about earlier this year, Russell Wilson. I think he. this is what we see every year out of Russell Wilson. Starts out the season great. Puts himself in that position for the award. But then uh, he has these games, and he had another one yesterday that he did not play extremely well. And my MVP, I want a guy that I can trust. I know what I'm going to get every single week. Ben Roethlisberger is that guy. Uh, Russell Wilson, not so much. He held his team back yesterday. He's put together two bad games. If you're talking about MVP, I think he's, uh, he's thrown away his MVP shot because this is a tight race. You could put Josh Allen in there. Tom Brady deserves some consideration too. The Bucks are seven and three. They did not have. I mean, look, that, that's another thing. Jameis last year led the league in passing. Jameis threw for five thousand yards last year. There's more to this thing than statistics, and that's one of the other things with football. Why I don't I don't understand the obsession with statistics because the statistics don't really mean as much to me in football as they do. In other sports such as baseball. With baseball, you have a greater indication of what a guy's performance is. With football, quarterback could throw a seven-yard slant route, two broken tackles, and that gets recorded as an 80-yard touchdown. So to me, we're we're talking about what's the story of the season each year. And last year, Lamar Jackson was the story. Baltimore Ravens were the story. 
Kansas City Chiefs two years ago with Patrick Mahomes. That was the story. Story up to this point is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think as a result of that, Ben Roethlisberger's return at age 38, mind you. I mean, he's got to be a comeback player of the year. He should be the MVP up to this point. Doesn't mean he will remain in that spot. And Mike Tomlin should be your coach of the year. I think going off of what we know in terms of most valuable and what that means and what the story of the season has been, my MVP right now is Ben Roethlisberger. But yeah, as I mentioned, Jameis put up all the numbers last year, but where were the wins? Russell Wilson is putting up numbers, but they've lost three out of their last four games. And the last couple, largely in part due to him. And he's got a lot of weapons around him too. We've been doing this thing for years. We say Russell Wilson doesn't have any weapons, but he might have the best receiving duo in the whole league in Lockett and Metcalf. So I don't want to hear excuses for Russell Wilson and don't pick this up and listen to this as me bashing him or saying that he's not a great quarterback. He is a, you know, he's in that category, top 10 quarterbacks, all guys who can win you a Super Bowl. And at his very best, he's better than anybody except for Mahomes. But I want to see that every single week, and I haven't seen it. He's more of a guy similar to someone maybe like Javier Baez in baseball, where he gives you the highlight reels at his very best, is exceptional, but doesn't have the consistency. So he's a guy that's easy to market. He's a celebrity. He's married to Sierra. But is he actually the MVP up to this point? I I don't think so. Maybe he was a few weeks back. I think I even said he was a couple weeks back. But I think I think he's losing his case. He has a chance to regain it. Mahomes, I, I, did, I failed to mention Mahomes. Mahomes is another guy... You want to talk MVP, Mahomes, 25 touchdowns, one interception. He's got the numbers. Chiefs are really dang good once again. But again, if you're looking at performance, I I would go Roethlisberger at this point. Okay, I'm going to run through a few more of these games. Miami Dolphins right now, 6-3, and and there are a lot of three-loss teams now in the AFC. You've got the Dolphins, you have the Browns, you have the Ravens, you have... The Bills, the Raiders are six and three. Dolphins six and three. Tua looks Tua looks good. They haven't lost with him as their starter. They're three and zero. Oh. Did anyone expect the Dolphins to be at this point a year ago? Going back a year when they were clearly looked like they were trying to lose games. Miami Dolphins are a problem for teams this year. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Looks like they may have found their quarterback. As I mentioned, Seattle lost. And this here's the other thing with Seattle. They're 6-3. and three. They've lost three out of their last four games. It seems like every year they win the games that they're supposed to win, which you got to give every team credit that does that. You can only be as good, and you got to win all the games that are on your schedule. That's important. But they don't win these games where they go on the road in L.A., as they did yesterday. They end up losing them. So I just, I, I, don't, I don't believe in Seattle. I think the Cardinals are going to win that division. Drew Brees, Drew Brees got injured pretty badly yesterday. Multiple rib fractures, a lacerated lung, the report. I saw that from Bleacher Report just as I got onto this podcast. Age, I mean, he's in his 40s. 
reminded me a little bit of that hit that Brett Favre took at the end of his career. Now, I'm not saying that's the fate of Drew Brees, and this is the last that we see of him, but it's definitely a cause for concern. If you're a Saints fan, they do have maybe the best backup in the whole league, so it'll be interesting to see what they can get out of Jameis over the next few weeks. The Patriots pick up a win last night, 23-17 at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure some people are maybe rethinking the Patriots. I think the Patriots are an average mediocre team I don't think they're really anything to write home about but they're clearly not a bad team Steelers stopped on the Bengals I mentioned that 9-0 for the Steelers I'm pretty excited about that and let's see is there anything else here Bucks on top of the Panthers 46-23 Giants beat the Eagles in that atrocious NFC East oh my gosh that is such a bad division it's awful. Lions pick up a win, 30-27 over the Washington football team. Happy for Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford is an underrated, really good quarterback who's has spent his entire career with a doomed franchise that hasn't won anything ever, really. Um, but he's given so much to that organization. It'd be cool to see him make a little push here. Alex Smith yesterday with a career day, unfortunately, wasn't enough for the Washington football team to get the victory 390 yards and finally we have the Vikings and the Bears tonight on primetime Kirk Cousins has not played well against the Bears or in Chicago for that matter I'm gonna say he bucks that trend tonight but I don't have a whole lot of confidence could really see the game going either way both teams in desperate need of a victory Vikings have started slow Started slow last year. wasn't as bad as they started off this year, but they're trying to salvage their season. Bears started out strong, and they've lost quite a bit the last few weeks. Bears are now sitting at five and four. Vikings three and five. This is a very important game for both teams. It's they both need this victory to stay in the hunt. So be interesting to watch. I I'm gonna say Vikings win. Hmm. <sighs> I'll say 20 to 14, but I think it'll be a close game and it'll be interesting. I'm not expecting a whole lot of great offense on either side. I think, and I like Kirk Cousins, but the Bears have a good defense that keeps them in games and the Vikings offense hasn't been anything remarkable. Bears offense has been well documented as not great. It will be interesting to see what happens. All right, that's it for our sports update for the day. I want to thank you all for listening. I'm sure we'll be back soon with some more sports talk, probably coming out next Monday and potentially something else uh, in the meantime. There will be a Sports Jeopardy happening next week live on my Facebook and potentially on my YouTube. So make sure you are following my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Jack Vita show, youtube.com slash Jack Vita. And then if you want to get in touch with my other social media, Twitter, and Instagram, it's at Jack Vita Show. Subscribe to this podcast so you will never miss an episode. We're going to have a lot of great stuff coming out soon. And I'm excited to go into the new year. Uh, plenty more to reveal as the year uh, dwindles here to a close. I got some exciting news to share, but I'm not going to share it quite yet. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you're all doing well, staying positive, and trusting God. And until next time. I am Jack Vita. 
Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> 